Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Feeling each fiber of my being completely surrounded by unconditional love. Which, at that point, like, I had so little self-love that that was exactly what I fucking needed. Just really being careful to watch what they would do, why they would do it, the effect it would have, and start to pull some of those pieces into the way that I facilitate. And sort of, over that time, that has blossomed into what I now do today for ceremony. Yeah, I mean, that's been a piece of, like, just bringing intentionality into sex and feeling more comfortable to speak about that. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to Acting My Age. So fucking glad you're here. Just a few things I wanted to pop in and say, if you like this podcast and you want to support it and support me, one thing that you can do is leave a positive review on the iTunes page. Reviews and positive reviews help the podcast get noticed and spread around and will allow more people to listen to it. And that would be so fucking sick. So thank you guys so much. If you feel called to leave a review, I would absolutely appreciate it. And yeah, let's get into the episode. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to the pod. I have another amazing guest on this week, my dear friend Alex, who I met through Fit for Service. (laughs) He is... Oh, so much magic. He is just pure magic. So knowledgeable on some more esoteric things that I find very, very interesting. And he's been practicing uh, lots of things, which I'll let him explain to you guys. But he's very knowledgeable and has been a big expander for me um, and is just such a lovely person. So I can't wait to have you guys hear about his journey into becoming a plant medicine facilitator, specifically with um, psilocybin, and also more esoteric, witchy type of things. Uh, So much knowledge in this pod, and I'm so excited for you to meet him. And thank you so much for tuning in. Love you guys so much. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, Alex. Welcome to the pod. (laughs) Hey, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, You were one of the people in the summit that just felt very homey and comfortable and welcoming. Hmm. Um, So I'm very grateful to have met you and yeah, happy to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, right back at you. There's definitely a few people you vibe with throughout summit. You're like, oh, okay. I'm like immediately comfortable around this person. It's Mm -hmm. such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you have such a cool story, so much to share. You're such an expander for me. Like everything you do, I'm just like, Ooh, it's, it's witchy. Is that the right word? It's a good word. Yeah, it feels witchy, but which I love. So yeah, I'd love to just dive into all of that. And one thing that I want to learn more about is, because I know this is an important piece for you, hmm. what's the difference between magic with an IC versus like ICK. 
Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's a good jumping off point and we'll just take it wherever it goes from there. Yeah. So one of the reasons for the distinction of magic with a CK instead of magic with just a C is because of the idea of like a stage magician or, you know, someone who's doing magic tricks as a profession, which is beautiful. It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to discern between the two, you know, the actual art uh. and science of ceremonial magic with the CK and stage magicianship, which is separate. Aha, okay. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Because I I feel like I've needed to use that spelling, but I wasn't quite sure why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that makes more sense. Okay, Absolutely. Cool. Makes it easier to search for, too. Like, if you're looking for a book or something and you put the CK in there, it's much easier to find. Ah, uh, more specific. You find your people really, really quickly. <laughs> so you practice magic with a CK. I do. I do, I do. It's been a long time practice for me. I mean, really starting about maybe when I was 13 or 14, you know, when you're a kid, wow. you kind of just get, or at least I did, just got interested in whatever was in front of me. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things that was in front of me first through more traditional witchcraft. I think I like found a book in the library or something and I was just like, what's this? This is interesting. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love imagining 13 year old Alex yeah. in the library. <laughs> and like. It fit with my persona at that time, too, because I was a total goth kid from, Mm. let's say, age 13 to 16. You know, long hair, black nails, like, full on. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'd love to see a photo of that that stage. I keep looking for them, and I can't find any. But, like, you know, (laughs) Hot Topic jeans, the chains on them. We've got the whole thing going. (laughs) Oh, damn. Oh, damn. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So you just felt a calling, naturally to get into it yeah I think on a psychological level it served the purpose of you know a lot of teenagers feel this way where they don't feel like they have a lot of control over their life and they're not really Mm -hmm. they're not the uh, hammer they're the nail and things just kind of happening to them so at that age it was serving this inner need psychologically for me to have something where I could apply myself and it would have effect on my environment and so it fit like a glove for that, and mm-hmm. it helped that it hit equal parts of my sort of nerdy love of researching things. And, like, I don't know, there's some part of my psychology that just loves, like, something that not many people know about. It's kind of like the yeah. hipster piece or something. And I'm just <laughs> like, this is the best. Ooh, edgy. <laughs> oh, that's I love that hammer in the nail uh, example because that's very relatable. I definitely felt like that. Yeah, just not having control. It's like... Well, why do I have to do this? Because I said so. It's like, well, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> um, exactly. So what did it look like getting into it? How did it unfold? Yeah, so I think at first was just like a lot of research, a lot of reading about things. One of the first things that really grabbed my attention was the concept of astral projection, which is the idea mm-hmm. that you can consciously step outside of your body and be elsewhere uh, while awake which is the key distinction. Um, and that was sort of piece number one. And then from there, it started deep into my practice into like, okay, what are some like daily rituals I can do? Because astral projections are really powerful thing, but it's also pretty advanced for a lot of people. It's not just like you just start doing it and it works the first time. It's like you have to practice it for a year and then you'll get there. Wow. Um, 
I have not dabbled with that. Yet. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's really interesting, and a lot of people have spontaneous experiences that they can remember with it. You know, for example, as a kid, maybe you had the experience of like as you're falling asleep or waking up that you felt like you were kind of watching yourself from somewhere in the room or that you were slightly disconnected from your body. Mm. That's like a spontaneous astral projection. The goal is oh, to like use that and take yourself places and do things. Um, yeah, it's spicy. It's, it's very spicy. <laughs> it's a really powerful practice because it, you know, with everything I talk about, whether it's just a psychological effect or it's a real literal effect, doesn't really matter. There's a lot of power in being able to visualize and experience as if you're actually there. So if you're trying to manifest something, much better to do an astral projection where you see yourself in the circumstance vividly ah, okay. versus just like kind of sitting there thinking, like, okay, so when I have money, it's going to be cool because dot, dot, dot. Okay, yeah, because I do that when I imagine like, future things I want to call in, I really try to go there in my body and, hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So that was kind of the beginning. And then in high school, you were doing all kinds of things at that point, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's funny because it's been sort of a in and out relationship with ceremonial magic for me. It's gone from super consistent practice to less consistent to super consistent to less consistent. And... Of course, as I get into high school, you know, for the first couple years, 14, 15, it was pretty consistent. Um, mm -hmm. And then you start to learn about girls. Mm -hmm. You start to go to some parties. That mm -hmm. takes over priority. So we have a few years of, like, I would just lean on it when I felt like I needed it, when I felt like, like this is important. And then, really, in my, I'd say around 20 it kind of re-entered my life in a significant way where I was like, this feel just this feels important. Mm -hmm. Like I'd almost left it behind at a certain point because it felt childish. And then Oh, interesting. Kind of came back to it and I was like, there's something to this that I can't put my finger exactly on yet that feels like it's something. Something's happening yeah. here. Um so then I re-engaged with the practice and I've been moderately consistent since then. Wow. How old are you? Now 30, be 31 this year. Mm, 30. That seems to be the the age. I don't know. Everyone I'm meeting lately is 30 <laughs> around then. So love that for you. Um, wow. So 10 years. And is this something that you kind of like to teach or as a practice for yourself? Or like, what does it look like now? So I'd say primarily it's been a practice for myself. And only in this last two-ish years, two and a half years really, within the container fit for service, have I felt like I have an accepting container in which to teach? Mm -hmm. Because that's always been something. It's just, it's very off the beaten path. So there's, of course, a part of me that's like, I really want to share this because I'm excited about it. But yeah. also, like, how do you avoid random people going, well, you're a Satan worshiper. It's like, well, no, not... But I can't explain this to you, so here we are. Yeah, here we are. Um, this is going to take like three hours of backstory. <laughs> grab your notepad. We're going to sit down. <laughs> so, yeah, Fit for Service really gave that avenue for me to have other people who are into different pieces of spirituality where I felt comfortable, like, okay, let me teach this. Mm -hmm. um, and then really, I guess recently, my practice 
I think has just become more consistent than it's ever been, which has felt really good. I think there's a certain just clicking into place of this is a core piece of what I do. And it's also, you know, you know this, but the audience won't. As I facilitate psilocybin ceremonies, it's a key piece of sort of energetic protection as well that kind of keeps me as a facilitator on the straight and narrow, keeps me in a good energetic space so that I can serve most fully. So it's really kind of like dovetailed with the other things I'm doing. It becomes just like very consistent mm. now. It's like the engine just keeps going and yeah. So I'd love to talk about how you got into facilitating psilocybin ceremonies. Absolutely. So powerful. And, yes. Oh yeah. All the things. How does, how does one step into that? <laughs> it's a great question. Accidentally, and you typically stumble into it, yeah. is what I've seen. It's, uh... <laughs> so I guess we'll go back a little bit. You know, From the age of 16 to 22, I was a fairly bad alcoholic. I was, mm. you know, at, at the beginning when you're 16, like you're just drinking on the weekend or whatever with your buddies. Some parties. Yeah, but around... 18, 19, 20, 21, I mean, it's like going out five nights a week, wow. getting hammered every single time. And I kind of, I lost a job at age 20, almost 21. Um, that was like a pretty fucking good job. I was offsite manager of a location for a pet food company and I didn't have a college degree or anything. So like I was doing pretty good to have gotten that yeah. job and to work myself in that position. And when I lost that job, I was just kind of like, fuck. Like, I lost it, of course, because I was, like, missing work and, like, showing up mm. over. And wow. it brought me to a place of, like, shit, something needs to change. So Not I tried to quit. Right. I tried to quit drinking. Didn't work. Tried again. Didn't work. Mm. And I was kind of looking down the barrel of my life, like, oh, shit, this is going to be maybe a consistent problem that I'm going to be stuck dealing with. And I heard Tim Ferriss talk about psilocybin on mm -hmm. an episode of his podcast, like very early on, and just like offhandedly mentioned that it helped him with his depression. I was like, hmm, interesting. I tried mushrooms one time before, but it was at a party, like it was just whatever. Mm -hmm. So I found some mushrooms after a long time searching, and I took five grams alone in my room in the dark. Oh. <laughs> with oh no gosh. music playing. Wow. Initiation. <laughs> Just went in. Holy shit. <laughs> which I, I tend to do in various ways throughout yeah, my sounds, life. Sounds like it. Full send. Um, which I, you know, to be clear, I don't recommend that yeah. to anyone. Yeah. That was equally likely to go very badly as, you know, how it mm -hmm. went, which is pretty good had this experience of every molecule of my being just dissolving into the universe. Wow. And feeling each fiber of my being completely surrounded by unconditional love. Mm. Which, wow. at, at that point, like, I had so little self-love mm -hmm. that that was exactly what I fucking needed. Mm. So that catalyzed some changes. I didn't quit drinking quite then, but I had a couple more self ceremonies, exact same format, exact same dosage. And over the course of the next couple ceremonies, I ended up not drinking for a whole year and wow. was like, cool, this works. Interesting. Mm. So that was when I was about 22. After that, I had seen the effect and I was curious, will this work for others? Mm -hmm. 
this is before, you know, obviously now there's so much research coming out and psychedelics is such a topic conversation, but eight yeah. years ago, they were still on the very like cutting edge of what people were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious, like, will this work for my friends who are trying to change their habits, they're trying to change things they're doing. So I started to sit with people one-on-one -on -one and just kind of trip set, like, all right, you go in, work on your shit. I'll just be here if you need me. Yeah. And that would go really good. And I'd see people have massive results. I'm just like, oh, okay, there's something to this. Interesting. <laughs> so over the course of the next eight-ish years, I basically would hold space for people, um, slowly escalating over time to where I felt comfortable holding ceremonies for multiple people at once. Um, and then also just seeking out, because mushrooms are interesting. You know, if you wanted to go train for ayahuasca, it'd be pretty clear. There's a very clear path of how to do that. Like there's lineages that are thousands yeah. of years old in Peru that you can just go like, go there, train, learn. Mm -hmm. um, with mushrooms, that's not the case. And it also originates from so many different places in the world. Like it's really, you can equally find a lineage in Iceland, maybe not Iceland, but like Sweden of like mm -hmm. old Viking people who are like, yeah, this is what we use to go to battle and as well as South America. Um, so I was very cognizant that for me to advance what I was doing in ceremony, I needed to start to build a system. And yeah. I started to observe and go sit in other types of ceremonies, ayahuasca, peyote, wachuma, yopo, bufo, and just observe the way that they would hold ceremony. And like I was, of course, receiving healing as well. It wasn't mm -hmm. purely selfless, mm -hmm. but just really being careful to watch what they would do, why they would do it the effect mm -hmm. it would have and start to pull some of those pieces into the way that I facilitate and sort of over that time that has blossomed into what I now do today for ceremony so wow so you really just organically let it kind of grow and cultivate and you answered the call that it was calling you <laughs> like ah oh, that's so amazing I'm so I'm so excited to sit with you <laughs> yeah I'm excited too Wow. So how long has it been now that you're doing this pretty regularly? So I'd say it's been my full-time job for two and a half years now. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's the so only it's thing. So it's like you meet a random person and they ask you what you do. What do you say? <laughs> I say that. <laughs> nice. And they're it like, actually, okay. <laughs> It was so funny. I was at the bar with my younger brother three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And we just like, let's go out and have some drinks tonight and just like mm -hmm. have a little fun. And yeah. so we go to the bar. I was talking to some girl I just met, and she's like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, you can tell when people kind of are asking just a throwaway question. You know, it's not really like a deep conversation. <laughs> like, are you prepared for where this is about to go? <laughs> I, like, I facilitate mushroom ceremonies. And I saw her go like, oh, yeah, cool. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, she's like, oh. Uh -huh. <laughs> she's like, tell me more. Okay. She's like, I thought you were going to say an accountant or something. Right, gladly. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's so cool. It is becoming so much more popular, like much more well-known. And I'm just so excited as it becomes hopefully legalized federally soon. And yeah, it's emerging. Definitely the medicine is needed now. Quite a few different places are like decriminalized too. So it's really beautiful to see like there's different paths to legalization. There's the federal effort, but there's also, you know, Ann Arbor, for example, in Michigan just went decrim. So mm. they're not allowed, the police, they are not allowed to spend any of their budget on prosecuting psychedelic offenses. So mm. it's effectively legal there. Like, Yeah. I hope that just, isn't it in Colorado also? 
Uh, I believe I believe Denver did, and then I know also Oakland uh, mm-hmm. did. So quite a few places are. Yeah, oh, that's very exciting. So, is this something that you feel like you can do forever, and you want to do? Yeah, it's been interesting. I think recently I've been in this period of like intentional just chrysalis phase from determining what my next steps are and you know after going through a breakup and going through some tumultuousness of like where I'm going to live and what I want to do I've really been in this phase where I'm like I know this is a piece of it but I also am aware that it's not the entirety of it and so I think it'll always be a component just because I do genuinely like the enjoyment I get out of sitting in ceremony facilitating is just like the best. Builds you up. It's so good. Um, but I'm aware that, and I think life kind of travels in these cycles, that I've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. And so my psyche and my higher self is kind of asking me, okay, step forward into the next pieces of the way that you serve. So mm-hmm. I've been kind of just like intentionally being in silence, being gentle with myself, being slow and allowing those pieces to start to blossom up mm-hmm. and... Yeah, it's been really interesting. Beautiful. That's such a powerful awareness to have. Like, okay, let's go into some silence and see what comes up now. It's like a call to level up, I guess, in some Mm. ways. It's totally not my normal MO, too. Normally, I'd be like, yeah, let's do more. Because if I'm not doing, I'm being a bad person. Mm. Ooh, look at that (laughs) (laughs) self-growth. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine, like, where it could possibly go. Just epic anywhere, everything. And also something that I have briefly mentioned on this podcast, but something that you seem to be quite knowledgeable on Mm -hmm. is sex magic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's something that I saw you were teaching recently in a workshop. So that's another piece. Yeah, absolutely. To to your pie. (laughs) It is. That's something that's become clear to me. I'm not even sure what form it'll take. Like I've even been recently finding myself speaking to a lot of men because I think men have such a poor education on sex. And like mm-hmm. even women, of course, you don't get the greatest education on sex either, but at least there are like it wasn't out of the normal for you to be reading a magazine that would have like three mm, sex yeah. tips in it. But for guys, it's just like You're did you have buddy. sex? Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great work. Yeah. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Pat you on the back. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's been a piece of, like, just bringing intentionality into sex and mm-hmm. kind of feeling more comfortable to speak about that now, too, along the same lines of what we spoke about with the ceremonial magic piece of things. And, yeah, just finding myself drawn to talking about that more because I think it is society as a whole has a really negative relationship with sex. And mm-hmm. there's two schools of thought that I think neither of them are quite right. There's the sort of christianized western sex is evil like it's mm-hmm. sin it's yeah. just for making a baby and don't even think about Otherwise anything else you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah yeah um but then there's also what i see in the spiritual community sometimes is like the over spiritualization of sex where it becomes like it can only ever be a sacred act it can only uh, ever be a portal to god and mm-hmm. i don't i guess at least in the way that i view the world like one of the gifts of what we are is equal parts biological creatures and equal parts divine spiritual creatures. Mm-hmm. So we're not one or the other. And yeah, the polarity is not 
not super helpful. <laughs> exactly. So that's something I've been feeling called to speak more about recently because I think it, it's a path to understanding sex more deeply, but it also has a healthy perspective of like, look, sometimes sex is just sex and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Doesn't every, every act doesn't need to be like you sage your fucking room and yeah. <laughs> make sure everything's energetically clean so it's perfect. Mm -hmm. That just feels, to me, that feels like a lot of pressure just mm. to have on yourself at all times. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think you told me this, which I thought was super helpful, like just going into mushrooms, sitting with mushrooms, having a clear intention. And that's the same with anything, with sex too. Like, okay, we're going to have some fun. Right. Or like, oh, we're going to transcend our bodies and like <laughs> merge as one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... It's yeah. intentionality in everything, like with mushrooms. I think something that I giggle about, because people often assume, Alex, you're a facilitator. So like people are, they have this weird like trepidation about telling me that they had a recreational mushroom experience, mm -hmm. like at a music festival. And I'm like, no, I do that too. Like, yeah. it's fucking amazing. All that matters is beforehand, do you sit for a second and go, okay, I love music mushrooms will you help me to enhance the fun and the joy of this experience and mm -hmm. usually they'd be like fuck yeah and let's do it <laughs> that's just as intentional as sitting in a ceremony mm -hmm. it's that taking that moment just to connect with yourself and like be aware of what you're doing mm -hmm. i think it's so so powerful carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Absolutely. And in the times that I have been very intentional, it's been completely different than just like sending it without thinking about what I'm doing, which is a great, great tip. Yeah, with everything. So I briefly talked about sex magic in another episode, but would you be willing to just kind of unpack it a little? Share. Yeah, unpack. Sure. Absolutely. So there's many different traditions of sex magic across the I mean, really, as long as humanity has existed, it seems. Um, there's a very distinctly Eastern tradition. Most people know of this as Tantra, although there's also a Taoist tradition um, mm. as well. Those are really some of the predecessors of most of what people understand in a Western society about sex magic. And those came to us essentially through yoga, um, mm. because yoga was this preparation for Tantra. It's like creating a physical body that is ready for some of these sacred acts. So beautiful traditions there. And then there is also a lesser known, but I think equally impactful sort of ceremonial magic, uh, Western ideology of sex magic, which is what I practice. So the difference between the two and perhaps useful info for people is the Eastern is focused a little bit more on union with God, like achieving the divine through the sexual act. The Western ceremonial magic is actually focused a little bit more on manifestation, creation on the physical plane, mm -hmm. and achieving what we call 
knowledge and conversation of your own holy guardian angel. And we can, I'll set that to the side and we'll come mm, back yes, to that piece. <laughs> so on a tactical level, I think the thing that's helpful for people who might be listening to know is sexual energy is one of the most potent energies we possess in our entire life. Mm. For I, I can always speak to the male experience, but men, almost everything they do is off of this precursor of what might get them sex. So men choose careers, they set up their life, they do all sorts of shit based mm -hmm. off of this energy. So if anyone's doubting, like, that's not a main energy, it's like, it's a main energy. Mm -hmm. um, Subconsciously. Right, absolutely. Most people are not aware that they're choosing those things for those reasons. And Be a mate. Be a good, worthy mate. Exactly. And similarly, you know, so much of society is based off of the idea of carrying on your bloodline, of continuing the species. And this mm -hmm. is, of all the things we can point to as like, why are we here? Why do we exist as humans? This is at least one of them. Like, mm -hmm. this is an undeniable one of like, yes. what's life's purpose? Like, this has got to be part Sex. of it, it seems. <laughs> yeah, or we don't exist. Exactly. So as such, there's so much energy within that. And it's literally the energy of creation. So you can redirect that energy of creation and point it at specific things in your life that you would like to bring into your life. So that energy can either be used as your ladder to God mm. in the Eastern tradition, or in the Western tradition can be used as your bow and arrow that you shoot at the target of what you want. And in my belief system at least both are equally valid mm -hmm. um, as long as what you're aiming at is not objectively negative for someone else um, I think our own needs and wants are valid in the physical plane it's part of why we're here otherwise we'd just be spiritual beings in union mm -hmm. with God all the time like <laughs> that's obviously not what's happening so here we are <laughs> here we so, are we have wants <laughs> yeah so just lay out the very, very basic framework of what most people would begin to practice or use as sex magic is, first and foremost, is to get shame about sexuality out of your system. Mm. So this is a wow. huge one for most people. This is where most people are stuck. It's not actually helpful to know the tools and techniques for how to use the energy of sex if you still have shame and guilt about it, because it means you will always be sending out the signal energetically that you don't actually want the thing you're uh, aiming at. Wow, I haven't, I haven't even thought of that aspect of it. It's really important, and wow, most of the yeah. traditions teach this in one way or another. So the first piece is always that, like working through your own shit, whether that's through therapy or just through working with it. Like, you know, one practice very early on in this path is to like, as you masturbate, you dedicate your orgasm to God, mm. which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are like, that feels uncomfortable because sex is unclean. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. If God wanted to spite you for doing that, that would be a real. Like, why did you give us this <laughs> as a yeah. primary driver? Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a total reframe. It's an early practice um, for the reason that it's a great way to work through the edges of where uncomfortability are. So as someone actually engages with that, noticing what comes up in the body, like noticing that you feel like, oh, this is unacceptable. And then asking the question, like, who told you it was unacceptable? Who taught me this? Yeah. Where did it come from? So that'd be piece number one. Piece number two would be then stepping into more intentional practices 
of and one of the beautiful things about the Western tradition is that you can really truly practice this alone. Like you can do it in partnership, but you can also do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so just working through basic exercises of learning how to bring the sexual energy up through your spine and out the crown of your head. So for men and women, that looks slightly different, but it, the same general concept applies. So the goal is to, as you reach the point of orgasm, to take that energy and through contracting the perineum, for those that are not in the know, through that space between your butthole and your balls for guys, um, <laughs> you know, as if you're going to try and stop peeing that same muscle, through the contraction of that, you pull that energy up and into yourself and out through the crown of your head. That's the practice number one, because or practice number two, rather. And the reason that piece is important is most people are so disconnected from their body in the act of sex Mm -hmm. that they don't have the presence or the practice to actually have the physical control to connect the two things. So after that is where it gets interesting. So in my personal view of things, that is the juncture at which someone should have some clear practices or rituals around clearing and protection. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of the way I view it is the more energy you learn how to work with, the brighter of a beacon you are, both for positive and negative. And if you haven't developed the toolkit of how to sort of keep your shit your shit, it can be just shining a bright, super bright beacon into the world. Like, look, here I am. Um, so at that point would be where I'd have someone to start to engage with other ceremonial practices or even just their own. You know, it seems like just about every culture has developed their own different sets of clearing and protection rituals. And I think they all work. So whatever those are, starting to get very practiced with those so that you can protect your space. Then, after that, is when you'd actually engage with a real manifestation ritual. So, if you were going to bring something onto the physical plane that you wanted, the first step would be becoming very clear on what you want and why you want it. So, this is important to, as much as you can, take the subconscious out of it and make it fully conscious. So, let's say you wanted more money. Great. How much, first of all? Not just, like, more question mark, but like $2,000 by next Wednesday. Okay, great. That's clear. Why do you want it? Like, what's the real reason of being honest with yourself? Like, well, because that money would allow me to do this for my business. And that would allow me to show up and serve better in the world. Great. Okay, that's enough clarity. So then you're going to point the energy that you raise in the sexual interaction to that target. There's a bunch of ways to amplify this effect. But we'll just leave those to the side because they're like, (laughs) (laughs) basically you can set up different incenses, different, you know, stones, different days of the week, different moon phases. And you can kind of create the perfect circumstance for the specific thing you're trying to manifest. That gets very complicated very quickly. It's like a supercharger, but it's also like generally not as useful or tactically useful. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to learn more, they can hit you up. Uh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so then you would actually begin the practice. And it's helpful to just have, as well, a good familiarity with meditation. Um, because the goal here is when you reach the point of orgasm, and if you're with a partner, the goal is mutually reaching the point of orgasm at the same time. Mm-hmm. For one or both of you to be able to clear your mind, pull the energy up through you, 
and clearly visualize that energy going directly out like a lasso to the thing you're trying to manifest and bringing it towards you. Now, if you're not practiced at meditation or you haven't practiced clearing your mind. Yeah, visualizing can be hard. Exactly, especially in those types of moments where you're like, mm-hmm. ah! Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'd be the basic sort of sex magic 101 ritual. Wow. Yeah, and if they want to learn more, where would be a good place to find you to um, dive into that? Probably my website, which is just throughtheveil.co. Perfect. I'll probably yeah. do some writing about this at some point, but I haven't yet. Yeah, because it's so, so interesting. And I think it's it feels like a good... I mean, everyone has sex pretty much, or like masturbates. So mm-hmm. if it's something that is a bit more relatable. It's like, okay, that makes sense, right. you know? Like, it's a little more tangible than some other things, I think. Absolutely. For people starting. Yeah, and even if only, I always love to get different access points to different people. Some people are, like, super scientifically, logically minded. So if you're one of those people listening, there's a real science to the things that you anchor in your mind at peak moments are things that you will subconsciously work towards. Mm -hmm. So... This is access to a subconscious moment or an unconscious moment in some senses. And you can hack your own psychology in those moments and create a connection between extreme pleasure and thing that I want. Yeah. And from like a Dr. Joe Dispenza type of tint, this is the like art of manifestation at its best, which is like really feel fully what it would feel like if you had that thing. It's like, well, what better way to hack that than to use something we already do? Yeah. Oh, I just love that. When I heard about this concept, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Makes so much sense. And it's not new, as you said, like none of this is new. We're just remembering it all, <laughs> finding it again. Ooh, thank you so much for that breakdown. Yeah. I think, because I mentioned it a while and I was like, this is so interesting. And I know I don't know enough, but I'm just saying that I'm interested. So, <laughs> Absolutely. so this is, yeah, super helpful. Okay. So what do your days look like like what is what's your schedule it's so fun to hear mm-hmm. about because we all are just doing all these things mm-hmm. what, do, what do we do during our day <laughs> so I'll, get, I'll give two schedules my normal ideal schedule and then my schedule as it's been for the past three weeks four weeks <laughs> so my normal schedule is wake up maybe 6 a.m have some coffee go work out i usually like to do that first thing just because I enjoy it so much and it just really fills my body and just mind with like enjoyment first thing. I also love music. So it's like blasting music while I'm fucking working out. It's like, (laughs) good morning. Yeah. And then I'll come back home and meditate for 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the day, read for 30 minutes and then dig into whatever the first project is for the day. And that could be totally different depending on the day. Some days it's like, Let's make some fucking Instagram content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been killing it with the reels lately. Thanks. <laughs> been, been trying. It's, it's so funny how unnatural I feel like being on camera and how much I dislike just like the act of recording myself. So I've really had to get over that. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, and then or just, you know, podcast. And then if it's a weekend day where there's a ceremony coming up, typically I'll leave a lot of space. So I'll still do that brief morning ritual, but it won't do much else. I'll just kind of allow myself flow to do whatever feels good or right. Because the goal is to come in as like relaxed and comfortable yeah. as possible. 
what it's been these past four weeks has really just been practicing the art of wake up, still working out has been super consistent, maybe even more consistent hilariously, and I'm still meditating and reading fairly regularly, but I've just been surrendering and giving myself full permission that with the exception of like a podcast or something I've put on the schedule with someone, mm -hmm. that I just do whatever feels right that day. Really in the flow. Yeah, because I, I think a piece of what I'm doing right now is better thought of as discovery and not as work. And so there's no objective that I'd like, I better produce 20 reels this week. Yeah. The objective is like, discover what pieces of me I'm bringing into the world right now. So that's mm. been the more recent Ooh, schedule. Powerful. Wow. That is such a just lovely thing to hear. And as an example, like mm. there is no, we're putting these things on ourselves to produce and produce and produce and meet different expectations. And like going into that chrysalis stage, like you said, can be so rewarding and so fruitful, but it's like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get past the part that's like, you mm. must be producing today or you are a shitty human. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to be okay with being the goo and yes. not resisting it. For the, to be fair, as a good set point for those listening, like we got back from the Austin summit and probably that first like two weeks, I was heavily resisting being in the goo phase. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm here to get shit done. And I was just like getting nothing done because I just sit all day like at my computer, like <laughs> forcing myself <laughs> or... And just wasn't working at a certain point. I was like, okay, this is where we are. <laughs> That's fine. Except the goo. Yeah. So for for those who aren't familiar with the chrysalis goo butterfly analogy, can you mm. break that down? Yeah. So I think there's a really just, and it's interesting too, and Godzi said this, so credit to him. And I'm sure he heard it somewhere too. But so first of all, a caterpillar molts its skin multiple times before it actually enters chrysalis to become mm. a butterfly. So that's really interesting also because yeah, it means that. that a lot of the times as we're growing, it's actually just a molting of the skin that's mm. happening. You're just letting go like this, ooh, this old conception was a little bit too tight. I'm letting it go. Mm -hmm. Then there's the actual entering of the chrysalis where the caterpillar builds a cocoon around itself and literally turns completely into goo and is reformed into the butterfly that emerges mm -hmm. from the cocoon. And it knows it's going to be doing that, right? Like it knows that it must die. It's like, okay. Yeah, but and even in that, like it knows it, but it knows it in an, obviously it doesn't have consciousness the way we would conceive of it, or at least that we know of. <laughs> so I think it's interesting to think about because it doesn't necessarily know why it's doing what it's doing. It doesn't know it's about to become a butterfly. It just knows this is the next thing to do. Which is the energy I've been sitting with of, okay, I don't need to know what color of butterfly I'm emerging from the cocoon as. Mm -hmm. And actually, if I try to spend too much time focusing on that, I just won't ever build the fucking cocoon. And I won't yeah. ever allow myself to be the goo. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a really helpful metaphor just for the phases we go through of life and how oftentimes for many of us, there'll be multiple of these cycles and... You know, when you feel the most broken or you feel the most just like you don't know who you are, typically that's when you're in the goo phase and you're just mm -hmm. like, you don't have the same shape you used to have. And that's scary, but it's also okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that so much because it, it's, it's trusting the process. It's just another way to think of trusting the process, surrendering into the goo <laughs> and 
allowing what is meant to die to die in mm. order for the bigger picture to be to be born and yeah. when you focus on what color butterfly you're going to be then you're not in the goo because you're focusing on the expectation of what might be so Absolutely. i just i love that and i fucking love butterflies like i have them on my tattooed on me and it's just my little i just love that emoji <laughs> so oh, i love butterflies mm. yeah so beautiful so i guess to end it off is there something new and exciting that you're into right now or just mm. anything fun that's mm. alive for you everything everything <laughs> yes stillness <laughs> yeah i mean i think i've really been finding myself lit up recently by just investigating ceremonial magic more deeply and finding ways like i, I know that it's funny throughout your life you discover different pieces of yourself and you discover like okay this is like if you're if you had a true name let's say like your true name that describes Rohini or describes Alex and it was a string of words of different qualities that you have and it's like your essence mm -hmm. I feel like you discover those pieces throughout your life and some of the ones I've arrived at are like joy playfulness but also the ability or the desire to describe like very complicated concepts and bring them in a palatable mm -hmm. way. And so what's been really alive for me recently is reading these like super fucking dense <laughs> occult books mm -hmm. that nobody would really want to read. Mm -hmm. But then finding all these parallels for like, oh, this life coaching client I have is going through exactly what's being described here. Oh. <gasps> hmm. Okay. Like a translator. Yeah, exactly. So that's been really recently my brain just starts firing off connections of different things. I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this. And, oh, that's just like this. And I don't know, every time that happens, I feel like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's amazing. And you really do have that gift. My brain does not work in that way. Like, when I read things, I don't grasp the actual details. Like, I'm not, mm -hmm. like, a detail person. I see it in, like, a big overall picture. So that's how I have to describe things with, like, emotions and mm -hmm. images and hearing you explain these things that are quite complex in a way that's like digestible and easy to wrap your head around is so wonderful. It's such a gift. Um, it's funny, even just along that line, I've learned to trust myself more because I also, like if you asked me to tell you what I read yesterday or <laughs> this morning in the book that I read, I would not be able to tell you. <laughs> but if we were having a conversation, it would arise. Yeah, yeah. And so Which I've been like, so interesting. just learning to trust myself that it's like, okay, I may not be able to remember the detail in terms of yesterday on page 32, I read <laughs> this, like school type of rote yeah. memorization, but my brain has an exceptional ability to bring the right information forward in the moment where it's needed. And I've just mm. learned to soften into that. Like, okay, yeah. I trust you brain. Good work. <laughs> I love you brain. Yeah, that's such a great reminder, too. I am finding now as I'm doing more coaching and stuff, things just come out. I'm like, oh, my God, I read that or heard that like three months ago, yeah. and here it is. And exactly. it was what was needed in that moment. So it's it's cool to learn to trust, trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So they can find you on your website and um, Instagram. What else do you – and you have a podcast, too. I do. Which will be on. So I yeah. think you can listen to that episode if you want to hear Rohini yeah, dive a little bit deeper into her stuff. Yeah, we're recording that after this. So. Yeah. Um, that podcast is also called Through the Veil. 
Uh, it's focused a lot on psychedelics and various different just ways that we can peek behind the veil of our own consciousness. So, mm. Yeah, through the veil. Mm -hmm. mm, thank you so much for coming on. I yeah. really appreciate all this wisdom that you have to offer. Thank you for having me on. And yeah. See you soon. <laughs>